0: This body has been done and felt so much that the story it's journey through has found its meeting with the soul. Do we hide it? Do we heal it? Is it true? Does it define us? The eyes we hold has witnessed what was felt, transforming the mind and moving it back and forth between what's true, what's false, what's real and what's not. The inner workings, wanderings, and wanderings that we want to follow, finding that courage deep within to let go of what we've known and transmute what we've been holding. It's time to let go. It's time to heal our bodies. It's time to hear, listen, and feel the voices of our body. What is up everybody? Welcome back to Voices of the Body to Podcast. My name is Love Ashley Elaine and I'm going to be your guide as we journey through this big beautiful thing called life. This episode we are diving into a beautiful conversation with a good friend of mine, Miss Crystal Aguayo. She is a therapist for Women's Space which is an organization that works with um, women and men when they get them in that are experiencing uh, domestic violence and intimate partner um, abuse. So prepare your mind, body, and soul as we get into this episode. begin to find a comfortable seated posture one that allows you to ground down through the tailbone keeping the spine as straight as can be maybe a little slouch but really keeping the heart space open moving around any flesh in the bottom if need be to really fill into that tailbone, really ground down through the tailbone. And take a nice big inhale and exhale. Nice big inhale and exhale. Last one, nice big inhale and exhale and gently begin to bring your gaze down your nose or close your eyes completely as you allow the words of this prayer to resonate with you in any particular form in any particular way allowing it to speak directly to you and where you are what you need to take in and what you need to let out may we feel your presence protecting us and holding us moving us in a way that shows up internally before we move physically that you shield us from dangers seen and unseen, known and unknown, shielding us swiftly and intentionally, showering us with your love, grace, and mercy. We ask that you heighten our communication with you, expand our intuition to know how to maneuver and allow you to guide us. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for loving us unconditionally today and tomorrow and forevermore, amen and ashe. May this prayer protect you and guide you into your next steps. May peace be what it needs to be for you that will allow you to settle into a safe space internally and externally. May calm be the space that your nervous system falls into and that your discernment and intuition allow you to maneuver into the next space that is called for you. So take a minute here to just be with you, be with the presence of God Hmm. (laughs) be here now maybe still keeping the eyes closed maybe bringing one hand to your heart space if you are listening to this right now and you are in A abusive relationship, physical physical or non-physical, and you're not sure where to go, how to turn, how to release yourself. My heart is with you. My prayers are sent to you. Allow this prayer to guide you, to release, to know that you are not doing anything wrong. You have not done anything wrong and that God is with you, that he's guiding you and protecting you. And that when you are fully committed to you and ready to release the space that you're in, that the prompting will be there for you to move and to go to protect you and keep you safe. And if there's children involved, to protect them and keep them safe. So as you know, you can pause this at any point to take time to journal, take time to let it just marinate, let it just do what it needs to do. And we will be right back. Listen, listen, listen. I'm excited to finally say out loud. After five years of sitting on this title, after five years of just trying to understand what God was doing when he dropped this in me in the middle of a therapy session, Married to Trauma, the book and the workbook is finally out. Yes, Amazon said, girl, we not waiting. We know you've been waiting, but we're not. So you can order um, uh, on Amazon the print copy of Married to Trauma, the book, which is my story, my journey. It gets a little saucy. It gets a little saucy. I don't use no names. So y'all can go ahead and it's not a telenovela. It's, it's, it's my story, right? It's a book full of free verse poems I just got creative with it, right? You'll enjoy it. It's powerful. It's impactful. Sometimes I read back at some of it. and I'm like, my God, girl, yes. And then Married to Trauma, the print copy of the workbook. The workbook is for all of you, right? I love a good workbook. If you remember Release and Rise, the behavioral health workbook, thank you all that supported that part of my journey also. The Married to Trauma workbook is so much more in-depth. It's a compilation of, you'll see when you get the book, but it breaks down the book, but in a way for you to look at your own marriage, right? What are you married to? What patterns and behaviors have not shifted because you haven't even realized that they're there, right? So go to amazon.com because I know all of y'all got Amazon. You probably got Amazon Prime too, and this is not a plug for Amazon, but my book is on Amazon Go to Amazon.com, type in Married to Trauma, and you will see the book pop up and the workbook. It is available now. The Kindle edition will not be available until uh, October 4th, 2023, but it is on pre-order as well as if you go to BarnesandNobles.com. Married to Trauma, the print copy and the, the workbook print copy is on pre-order and will be shipped out October 4th, 2023. I'm so excited for this. It's, it's my story, y'all. It's my story. It's my story in the funnest way. Are you ready to meet the true you? And welcome back to Voices of the Body, the podcast. So I have with me another really good friend. Everybody I bring on the show are my friends. I don't just let anybody on this show. <laughs> or trusted, very trusted people. I have with me Miss Crystal Aguayo. Did I say that? I said it right this time.
1: <laughs> you did. That was great.
0: <laughs> yes, Miss Crystal Aguayo. Um, She is here to, as you all know, it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month and Miscarriage and Pregnancy Awareness Month. So, Ms. Crystal is here to share her expertise with us. So, let's say hi
1: to Ms. Crystal. Hey, girl. Hi. 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 I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So, start out by telling us who is Crystal.
1: So um, I am a clinical social worker in the state of New Jersey. Uh, I'm practice around Mercer County area. And I work right now for a nonprofit. It's called Women's Space in Mercer County. And I see their domestic violence and sexual assault survivors. Um, I have been in the field for around five years, um, have a master's degree in uh, clinical social work so I just like the mental health part of human behavior and also the holistic part like everything right everything is very important to see what's going on with our emotions and I guess life has me right now in the trauma field
0: (laughs) (laughs) the fun part right
1: (laughs) very fun yeah I mean it's it's intense but it's also very rewarding
0: yeah yeah because I'm sure um you get to see like women or men, right? Come in at a very like in, in a very vulnerable place, right? They're they're at like a a space where it's probably literally do or die, right?
1: Yes, uh, it's very interesting. Everyone is like in a different stage. You will think like, no, everyone, it's about to to be killed or it's in a horrible situation and a lot of times I will say most of my clients they already got out of their relationship and they're just trying to figure out their life post abuse because those traumatic symptoms now that you're out of that place uh it's like you're trying to find your new normal but your brain is still relieving everything that happened so they're just trying to find their new version of themselves after the abuse
0: yeah and what does that normally look like for um dv survivors like what is like when they're trying to now kind of figure out life what does what do those next steps look like
1: uh well first uh i i try to help them find a safe place within themselves because mm-hmm. it's been, depending on how long you've been in that domestic violence relationship and how normalized has been trauma in your life, then it's like how long it could take or how it would look. Because sometimes people, they consider that the only traumatic experience that they had was a domestic violence that they encounter for like maybe three years in their marriage. Other people have been experiencing trauma since their childhood, so being a domestic violence relationship was very normal to them. Um, mm. And by normal, I mean that trauma was like the, the, the norm for their lives and they just don't want that anymore. Um, so it's like trying to figure it out. Like, what are the new rules that you want for your life and uh, how does your boundaries look like and how does it feel for you to um, be in peace with yourself and not have any conflict around you because sometimes Mm -hmm. it's hard to to accept that but many times because you're so used to that trauma uh, bonding and that trauma being part of your life that you're like drawn to places that just create more of that for you and if you're Mm -hmm. able to see that early then you can avoid it or you can see it and then get out of it right
0: yeah Mmm that's good. I think oof, that's really good, right? Like when So I know you said like some, most is it most or some or like what is the percentage of women that come to you and they're already out of the abuse?
1: Um, or out of
0: the 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 relationship.
1: So it really depends. I think because I work at a domestic violence agency like a lot of people uh come while they're trying to get out but Mm -hmm. i do have like i'll say like it's probably 50 50 like half of my clients already got out and then the other half are trying to figure it out how to get out Mm -hmm. um so it's yeah i'll say yeah i'll say like probably a 50 50 i cannot say more of this or more of that
0: (laughs) yeah so that that percentage excuse me of women who are like they've just gotten out of it and now they're trying to figure out their life like what other what other resources do you connect them with or do you recommend that um these women or men again that are like just coming out of it and trying to kind of like okay figure out like them and who they are and how to not go back into that pattern, right? What other resources do you offer them?
1: Sure. So depends on their needs. Usually what I have been doing with the clients that I've been seeing, uh, besides mm-hmm. like doing like the, uh, the, the emotional part of doing counseling, right? If I feel like they have like some mental health things that need like longer, uh, more i forgot the name like you need like a longer period of care right because mm-hmm. usually where i work is like a year or less that you can stick with our services but if you need something longer then i'll sh- i'll recommend that you go to general mental health uh if you have like problems let's say with a mental health issue like you have a lot of depression or anxiety and it's really hard for you to move out of that then uh, that will be one of the resources. If you are having problems with housing, we will you we will go to the county and check if they have like any housing resources or food stamps, if you need food or food pantries. Usually mm-hmm. like those basic needs, we want you to have them met before you can even engage in like seeing what's happening emotionally. Because if you don't know where you're going to eat or where you're going to live tomorrow, then you're not going to pay attention to your mental health.
0: Yeah. It, it, that's almost like part of the cycle, right? Like why a lot of women end up staying or why part, like the, I don't like calling them victims, but why they end up staying with the, the, the partner that is, um, the abuser. I'm like, I'm trying to find the language, right. Cause I don't, these words are not permanent, right. They're, they're just, definition of behavior or where a person is in that space and time right um so yeah like that that can create like create a cycle that is never ending also um what about like job or or finances like how do you like what do you always recommend or um advise for you know women or men that are in that? like heavy in that space also yeah so yeah yeah
1: and for what you were mentioning before we can call them survivors even if they're like in the relationship you're still surviving that and Mm. figuring out so yeah we can call them survivors um so i would at least in mercer county i don't know like in other areas or in other states but i'm sure like there must be if you do a google search you will find it but here we have like organizations that will help you like build your resume, help you find jobs. We do financial planning as well. Like we, we try to see like how well is your financial literacy? If you don't know how credit works, like maybe we will recommend you like something on the internet that shows you a little bit about how to build your credit, or we would just send you to uh, another organization that. Um, they're more suited to prepare you like step by step and go at your pace on like building your recipe, your financial literacy, um, how to create a budget, because all of those things are are part of being self sufficient. And usually, in domestic violence relationship, the 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 abusive partner is basically trying to make you uh, depending on them. So it's like almost like you're not allowed. To learn these things or to even do them by yourself, because you will be independent, right? and that's not yeah. the goal for the for the partner that is abusing you, yeah, yeah mm.
0: Oof. it's so hard sometimes to um, especially if you start dating at like a really young age right it's 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 hard to pick up on what is the difference between oh, my partner just like really loves me and wants to take care of me and wants to buy me things and doesn't want me to have to pick up anything or work or all these other things, as opposed to the manipulation of, no, I don't want you to work, right? Like I want you to depend on me. And they're not saying that out loud, right? But in so many words and in so many behaviors, that's what it is. How do you so how do how does someone like really spot abuse in their relationship that di- that is not physical, right? Because we know about physical abuse, um even sexual abuse, right? And I think sometimes in marriages, that part can be missed um because there's, There's like, now you're talking about spiritual abuse where it's like, well, I'm your husband. You have to do X, Y, and Z. I don't care if you don't feel like it or whatever that looks like. But what are some signs of abuse in a relationship that aren't so blatantly obvious, like the sexual abuse or physical abuse? Sure.
1: Uh, hmm. I I will say like most of the uh abuse right it, it has to do with power and control and I don't say it right research says that it's all about like controlling and having power over your partner and yeah. the physical and sexual violence are the most like intense I'll say because people can see it it leaves physical marks but most of the time is the emotional part like you know calling you names putting you down giving you looks that you know you feel afraid or intimidated um if they do something they don't take responsibility for that like for example they hurt you and you're like hey this thing that you did like i didn't like it can we talk about this and they're like no it's if you feel that way that's your fault and you make me do that and it's always like it's never about me it's you the one that is wrong we can never like make decisions that benefit the both of us it's only like one part that is benefited and the other part has to stay has to basically live with that um Mm. uh usually like in heterosexual relationships you will see this male privilege of like the woman is the one that stays home and the woman is the one that takes care of the children and and it's like you're the servant and they make the decisions and that's a that's a power and control dynamic right there and if your partner is not healthy and is using that to keep you in that spot of i cannot do anything by myself without your permission that also like it's a very clear sign that this could escalate eventually
0: yeah yeah it's so tricky sometimes cuz i think people when we when we end up bringing like um spiritual and religious practices into relationship, marriage, all of that. Um it 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 could become like a really confusing two-step dance, right? Because it's like, well, these are my beliefs and this is what you know, this is how I'm told. I'm supposed to treat my husband and be with my husband and all these other things, right? or even just in relationship, right? Not even being married. It's like I still uphold this relationship to that level of regard. Um man, it's it like that's a that's a that's an interesting dance. that's an interesting dance. how what is what is something that you would? like advise somebody to like kind of when it comes to like checks and balances right to check in with themselves about where they are in their relationship what are some things that you would tell them to kind of like look at like to really just like these like not three but like these these very simple things right if you're (laughs) like questioning ask yourself what
1: uh okay Ask myself, am I afraid of this person? Like Mm -hmm. this feeling of walking in eggshells. If I do this, are they going to get angry? Usually Mm -hmm. when you start like overthinking how you should act because you don't want to trigger them, that's one sign that you are not comfortable and you don't feel safe with your partner. Um, And if you feel that you have to do things to please them, Um, because if you don't do them, you know, that it's going to bring you trouble. Mm. Usually, uh, in, in abusive relationship, when you're thinking about leaving, it doesn't feel safe to leave because, you know, if you leave, probably this person is going to, uh, give you threats about harming you, or even like, I'm going to kill myself if you leave me, because I cannot leave without you. And it's just like this fear for, yourself and this fear for what the other person is going to do it's it's mostly a lot of fear and intimidation and overthinking like what should I be doing in this situation so he doesn't or she doesn't react in this certain way that I don't want to usually those are the signs that "Hmm, maybe this is not a good place for me
0: yeah yeah do you have a lot of women that come to you that have children and what is what is that like
1: yes, um uh, it 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 can be very challenging when you have children, especially if children with the person that is abusing you, because the children are seeing basically that these behaviors are well, they don't know that they're not acceptable. They're learning that, well, this is how relationship works because this is how my parents are treating each other but Mm -hmm. they get scared as well if they hear like someone screaming if they see someone hurting the other person of course this affects them um and what i have seen is that when people are trying to get out of uh, the domestic violence relationship to find a safer place for them and their children usually the other partner will try to like control you by using the children like saying stuff like i'm gonna take them away from you I'm going to call child protective services and say that you're not a good parent. Um, or if they have like visitations, they will just tell stuff to the child and that it's not healthy. Like your mom or your dad, it's a bad person. Or hey, check that your parents are not having like a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You know, you you gotta be like the guardian now. You know, and it just puts the children in this very difficult spot because they want to please their parents. but it's like one parent is basically not healthy and it's making them do stuff that it's not appropriate for children or even for their age.
0: Yeah. Hmm. babies, the babies, it's so hard. Yeah. I think about like um, when I worked uh, in social, when I worked for crisis mobile response and care management like just 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 like the look in some of the children's eyes who have experienced their own version of physical and sexual abuse but also both and have witnessed right their parents in these situations right they 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 just show up so differently um they show up very differently so kudos to you and that work cuz my god <laughs> Yeah. my god and,
1: that's... and i don't and i know like we're talking like how abuse can look in children i don't want like to scare anyone that is listening like this are behaviors mm-hmm. that you could see but it doesn't mean that that you should stay because otherwise it's going to be difficult to leave like there's help available for children as well and yeah. they can always learn how a healthy parenting or how a healthy relationship looks like and understand yeah. that yeah. some of these behaviors are not good um, but. Yeah. I just don't want to scare anyone like, oh, my God, this is going to happen to my children. Like oh, th- there's gosh. always help. And I know there's going to be a lot of questions. Please ask, ask and ask. Don't be afraid to ask and seek help. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. As Crystal said in the beginning, um, women's spaces in Mercer County, New Jersey, always going to be home no matter where I land. <laughs> um but also um I believe there's a women's space in every county with that with throughout New Jersey. If not, there's organizations that um work with domestic violence survivors as well um, in all like all throughout the state of New Jersey. I can I'm thinking about one that's in Jersey City. I'm pretty sure there's like there's they're all over the place. Also, if you are in New Jersey, um, and not familiar with the New Jersey children's system of care, they are, I worked in the New Jersey children's system of care for a good old number of years. They have services for children. So as you, you know, if anyone listening to this episode, um, If it's you or you know somebody, right? Like something is in your stomach is kicking. Somebody is coming to mind, right? Share this episode with them. Um, But also let them know that there is services for them. And if there's children involved, there is services for your children. It is a free phone number. I will make sure I put it in the show notes. That way um, people can have access to it. I'll put the website I'll put women's space in there also, because even if you're not listening to this in the state of New Jersey, who knows what you click on and it opens up for the state that you're in. If you're not listening to this in the state, in the United States, also just it's all dropping a bug, right? All we're doing is planting a seed for people to build awareness around um, what is happening in their relationship and what is happening to them within themselves in this relationship. Um, I wanted to also um, talk about, cause the teenagers, right? This, whoosh, that's a fun age. When mm-hmm. teenagers start getting in relationships um, and I had to learn this, like, I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm just now really understanding love bombing, mm-hmm. right? explain to us what love bombing actually is
1: well it's a very complicated dynamic right because it's called love bombing and it's like who doesn't want to be loved um but it's this uh extreme expression of love and when i say love is love and like with question marks because you Mm -hmm. know like going back to what abusive relationships are is power and control so even through gifts even through acts of love they might be trying to gain more power more control over you or because they want to gain your trust or they want you to feel closer to them right and love bombing it's basically they're like overly showing expressions of love that it's very exaggerated like a lot of gifts a lot of phone calls a lot of everything and Mm -hmm. maybe the person at some point they're like okay like it's nice to receive gifts it's nice to get attention but why is this person always on top of me like i need to breathe right Mm -hmm. that's a good example of like what love bombing looks like and it's very i'll say it's kind of difficult to to see at the beginning, you're just trying to get to know this person and you're just receiving all of these gifts and all of these expressions of affections that maybe feel good, but it's just a way also to show show the person like, hey, I want you. And can you be with me? And look at all these things that I'm doing for you. Like, how can you not want to be with me if I am doing all of this for you? So it's just... Mm. Like you see how like the 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 control is just starting to show there, but it's not like screaming. It's more like, look at all these things that I'm doing for you. Why are you not reciprocating? And you don't have to reciprocate if you don't want to.
0: Yeah, mm. you do not have to reciprocate if you don't want to. Wow, we forget that that's also an option, right? like it's and I think that that a lot of that comes back to um us like really loving us ourselves and knowing ourselves right when in those beginning stages especially especially as a teenager right we all been in love as a teenager we've all (laughs) have those teenage (laughs) butterflies like Katy Perry wrote a whole song about it you know it's those teenage years are very like everybody's in love super quick, right? So it's like to really to really be able to learn yourself and know your worth and um know that you do not have to reciprocate like just because someone is giving you something it doesn't mean that you have to take it, right? Yes. That like you don't have to take it at all. Wow. Do you get any like teenagers
1: that come in? Uh we do get teenagers. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of them because we do have like a children specialist and she will like mostly work with the teenagers and the children. But yes, we do okay. get teenagers that are on this stage of like why is he doing this or why is she doing this. And and I have to say it's uh, it sometimes is a little bit more difficult for girls. And maybe it happens more to girls, this love bombing, because in in our gender stereotype world, it's like the boy that gives the gifts and um, shows the first, like gives the first step of like, hey, I want to be with you or like shows interest. And a lot of times girls or women, we are teach that you have to take that and look at all that this boy or this guy is doing for you like how can you say no like you have to be grateful you have to do this and that right so it usually happens more to girls but it can happen to boys as well
0: yeah Uh, yeah what's the how often do you see men come into the office for services
1: um I don't see a lot. uh, But that doesn't mean that it's happening a lot to them. But I will say maybe for 10 women that I have, I have two men. Um, So it's a bit, it's very disproportionate, like the, the, when men get help, like it's a very, uh, at a much lower rate than women. And I think it's because of this gender stereotypical norms of you know you're the guy you're the man you should be the strong one how can you be receiving abuse from a woman and there's like a lot of shame and guilt around like like this about getting helped and um especially like because the in domestic violence um organizations you have a lot of women working there and it's like, how can a mm-hmm. woman is going to help me? Like, how am I going to tell this to, to another woman? It's just like this this ru- this untold rules that are saying to men, if you go get help, you're weak. If you were abused, you should be ashamed. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you? So I think that's one of the reasons why men don't seek help um, at the same proportion as women. But yes, it happens a lot to yeah. them as well. Statistically, mm-hmm. it says that, that one in three women are have mm-hmm. experienced domestic violence and then one in four men. So a little bit more to, to women, but not a big difference between women and men. It's just at the rate yeah. they get help is so different.
0: Yeah, which is crazy because let's say he's had enough of this woman like hitting him and then he turns around and he spazzes and he hits her. What's going to happen? You know what I'm saying? like now she's coming in for services. Oh, he hit me. I'm a victim. Like now, like it and now he's getting whatever, you know, it, the, however that scenario plays out. So, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. i've I've since I've been here in um Cambodia, I've met a lot of men who have become more intentional with tapping into that feminine side and feminine side being like emotions, right? Like it's not anything where it's like, they're trying to tap into being a woman. It's tapping into the energy of the emotions, the softness, the nurturing, the, you know, what that energetic side of our body um of our energy is right. Whereas like the masculine side has kept them from showing up in certain relationships to where women have said, I don't feel safe with you because of whatever. Right. So they're always constantly like living in that masculine energy and in that masculine societal norm to where it's like, well, I've never put my hands on her, but now she's telling me she doesn't feel safe with me. And it's like, you know, men are still men now are are trying to really tap into that, that their emotions. And, you know, but then it's hard because society is like, oh, like, you know, you're not supposed to feel. And it's just like, but then he's going to get angry (laughs) and he's going to hit. And then it's, I I will say, like.
1: Yes. It's really sad that these are the ways we think, but but I'm really happy that there are men that are really trying to uh, deconstruct themselves. I think, you know, there's a difference between your masculine energy and, mm-hmm. and the masculine idea that society has. Like that is so, that's a really big distortion of what masculine and being a man is. Doesn't mean because you're a man, you have to like scream or be the leader or this and be that it's it's very different like being connected to your masculine energy that just living under the society norms of what is to be a man or what is to be masculine so what when i see men that are trying to tap into their emotions and trying to understand all these repressed things that they've been <laughs> holding on for for their lives I'm ju- i just feel really proud that that there's just yeah. this big movement of men trying to heal. So yeah. I, I guess it's yeah. just do the opposite of what society is saying.
0: <laughs> Please and thank you. All of us <laughs> <who> <laughs> want you to do the complete opposite of what society is telling you is the right <laughs> thing for you to do. Um. Which, I mean, and then, like that's a whole nother podcast episode, whole yeah. other conversation, right? <laughs> men built this kind of like they yo, you, well, that's a whole nother episode later. but um, do are there are there any organizations that you know of that work with men who are the abusers?
1: Hmm. Uh, i I'm so sorry, I don't know specific names. But yeah. I we I can give you names and we can put them on the description of this podcast because I really think that's important as well. Uh, yeah. Is that services have been like more tailored to to the survivors than to the person that is perpetrating, but it's actually mm-hmm. the, the the person that is abusing that you should be also working with. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, and this could just be me and my like big old compassionate heart and, you know, empathy being my thing. Um, but that was one of the hardest things for me when I had to like make a decision of how to maneuver in a past relationship. Right. It was like, okay, I understand this person's backstory. I understand like, why you know they behave in the way that they behave both and right also releasing ownership releasing accountability releasing any responsibility of me healing that for them like that has to be a thing that that person wanted right um so but i but i do believe it's important for Again, it could be just me and me being empathetic. Like I'm just I just got a big old heart, right? It I I, I do believe coming back to society and those yeah. those norms that it's important for abusers to also have whatever safe space they need to be able to do their healing work in too, right? I believe in um I believe in things being able to change for people, right? I believe yes. in like the right space with the right people and the right timing, the right patience, like all of that people being able to change. I just don't have to stay around for
1: it, right? <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. yeah
0: like at the end of the day we want everybody to be safe everybody to do what is um going to allow them to have peace and you can't I've been talking about this all day but like you can't have control and peace at the same time like they don't they don't live well together so um what is the 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 number of like what are the the demographics of women that you see the most um or even that that come that are domestic violent um survivors when it comes to Caucasian women BIPOC women Latino Latina women um what is the the demographic of people look like in those numbers
1: we we see like everyone um Mm -hmm. because I'm a I'm a Spanish speaking counselor I'm a Latina so I mostly work with With Latinas, right, or Latinos, Um, but we do have, like, as I say, Latina, Asian, African American, Caucasian women. Um, It's it looks very different for every population, and I think it's just because of the cultural norms of uh, different demographic groups, and also, of course, the structure of the society we live in. And you know, if you bring racism and the police involvement over-involvement in some communities, like, it just looks different for how it affects different communities.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Do you know the response time that police come out with if someone calls for a domestic dispute? Do you know what that is? I don't know. I just, I'm just seeing if you have an idea or if...
1: Yeah. I, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super so- it's supposed to be like any other emergency that you will just go there like and be there at least in less than 10 minutes but i i don't have the numbers for that i mean it will be different in different like um states and counties and yeah
0: yeah i just when you said um like coming back to the question about um like black uh bipoc women and latina women caucasian women and just how everybody is situated, right? Where and what towns do people live in? Because a domestic dispute in Hikestown might not get, you know, might might get a quicker response than something in Trenton or something in Jersey City might not get a response that something in like Bordentown, you know, it's just all over the place. Um, I just think about. the 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 communal response right like what does that look like and then you have people that are just like oh I'm minding my business I'm not I'm not paying attention to that um yeah it's just interesting interesting um any last minute shares anything you want to just kind of put out there for the people um That we may not have touched on and that can really be of service uh, for anyone who is like listening and kind of like now their awareness is a little bit heightened about, you know, their relationship or if they pass this on to somebody that may be in a domestic violent relationship.
1: Sure. I, I want to share the domestic violence hotline just in case you're like no matter where you are. This is the national domestic violence hotline. So you could be in, I don't know, California, Florida. No matter where you are in the United States, you call this number and they will connect you with the closest domestic violence um, agency. And the phone number is one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three you call them give them your location you you don't even have to tell them like everything you're experiencing you can just say like hey i just want to know where is the nearest domestic violence um um organization so i can get help usually the yeah. most dv organizations have a safe house and this is like a place where you can be there uh in emergency situations for like So it it depends, like the stay in different places. Sometimes it's three weeks, a month. So it's very short term. But if you have an emergency, you cannot be in your home anymore. You feel like you're in danger. You can stay there. And a lot of organizations also have like a long term or transitional housing program that you can get. You can leave there for like a year or two years before you actually move to your own apartment. Um, those Mm -hmm. programs are are a little bit more challenging to get in because of course they are in high demand, but that that's also available. So yes, if you feel like you have questions, you want to speak to someone about your relationship, you can call that phone number.
0: Yeah. If someone is like trying to safety plan to get out, um, what would be your advice for them outside of calling the phone number
1: or in addition to yeah yes um so i will like everyone knows their partner and what they're capable of or what they have done um so i will always like suggest like you know if you're gonna do something that you feel is gonna put you in more danger don't do it but the things that i will say like if you have a family member that knows what's going on and you can have like a bag of clothes under home in case you have to leave for an emergency um, or a neighbor that knows what's happening and you know you can tell them like hey if the balcony lights are on during the night that means you need to call the police and that's like a signal that you, that your neighbor knows or like uh safety mm-hmm. planning with the children like if there is a physical articulation the children can they go into a safe place can they lock themselves in the room do they know how to call 911 or or how to reach for help depending on their age right if they're like 4 or 3 of course maybe they don't know but if they're a little bit bigger they can hide and grab the phone call someone for help, call the police for help, depending like which which is the person that is safest for you. Because I know for some people, like calling the police is not an option. It makes them feel more afraid or for different reasons, right? So if you, if you don't want to call the police, you can call someone that is safer. Um, you can do that as well. Um, have copies of your documents, like your social security card, your passports, anything that it's it's documentation that shows who you are and who you show who your children are just have a copy of that if you're not if you don't have access to the originals all the time or if you just need to grab something and leave like you know have that hidden somewhere in your house or hidden somewhere in your car or hidden at someone else's place that you can just go there and grab it um it, it really changes like the safety planning really changes depending on each situation but I have heard like people that have like a copy of their car keys and their partner doesn't know so if they take mm-hmm. their keys away they have like another copy saved somewhere so they just grab that and leave um like I feel like a lot of these tips that I'm giving you is clients that have been telling me like what they do because that's why I call them survivors because you're really like thinking already how to survive this even if you're in there. So yeah. you can also go to the domestic violence, national domestic violence webpage is called thehotline.org. Thehotline.org, super easy. And and they have like a lot of information how to safety plan, the phone numbers, more statistics. You can find a lot of information there as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and all of this is not to scare anybody, right? Um, we want everybody to be safe, be loved, know themselves, allow their children to grow up in homes where they can thrive. You throw, you be in a space where you can thrive, right? Um, no one deserves to have, have to be in any type of abusive situation um, that doesn't involve physical or sexual abuse, both and if it gets to that level, it's still not deserving. Um that first hit, you gotta you like if 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 you've missed the signs, right, up until that first hit, don't let that first hit make you think that. Don't let the first apology after that first hit make you think that that's it.
1: And that it's going to be different. Usually abuse escalates. So maybe it starts with like, you know, I love you and I don't want you to do these things because I love you. And, and then it could escalate to, you cannot leave the house. And if you do this, you're going to get in trouble. And then it keeps escalating until that first hit. Right. But that first hit could take a year or years before it comes, um, but you're already in this extremely abusive uh, cycle that you haven't realized it because you think abuse is just getting hit, and it doesn't have to be that,
0: yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that was that was that was something I had to learn, right? is that abuse isn't just getting hit or like anything physical at all right it was it was no like you're holding my my wallet hostage Mm
1: -hmm. like you're
0: you're now coming with me to work to make sure that I get to work right like there were times where I thought it was like oh it's so cute it's to make sure I get to work okay and it's like no like he's he's just like making sure you Go to work, right? Making sure nobody's talking to you. Nobody's doing this. Nobody like it's so there's like this weird, this weird dance with like, and then I think mm, something I recommend. Um, and this it just hit me. Something I recommend everybody to do is really take a, a, a moment to yourself to think about what is something that you lacked as a child. That you're looking for now as an adult, and the one thing y'all know me—I'm very vulnerable. I don't care what anybody has to say. Like I believe that my life to my life story is meant to help and heal a lot of people, right? So the one thing that I never felt I had as a child that I've searched for and needed and wanted as an adult is protection, Mm. right? And there were relationships where I thought I was being protected, right? So I had to learn that that fine line between I'm being protected. Like, oh my God, I'm being protected. I got a bodyguard, right? Mm-hmm. I had to learn that fine line between I'm being protected and no, like, this is like.
1: I'm being controlled, basically.
0: <laughs> right. I'm being controlled, right? And it wasn't just one relationship. It was several, it was several relationships, right? So it's like, when I look back at those those spaces and those times with those people, right? And now I'm remembering words, I'm remembering behaviors. I'm remembering like all these different things. It's like, gosh, like this is why I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for for people going to therapy. I'm an advocate for people doing the healing work, the intentional healing work. Right. Because if I didn't allow myself to step back into my childhood and say, okay, what was little Ashley missing? Right. I wouldn't be able to see the patterns that I kept going through in my relationships. Right. And the pattern was I need, I like, I needed some, I needed somebody to protect me. Excuse me. I needed somebody to protect me. I needed somebody to like want me, right? I needed somebody uh-huh. to to do all these things I didn't feel like I had growing up, right? All they did was get me people that were controlling me and the control felt like love. The control felt like protection. The control felt like, you know, all these things that like I was missing, but the more I would heal and start to get to know myself, the less I would be able to say, oh, wait, no, like, that's not, that's not love. Like that's not protection. That's not what that is. Right. So don't write off like doing that inner child work either. Right. Because that's where we learn those foundational skills of relationship. Right. That's where we, that's where a lot of our foundational things come into play. Good, bad, good, bad, or different. So, when we end up in these domestic violent relationships, right? If you're coming out of one, really take a minute to like sit with that, right? And it may not be the same for everybody. It might not be, you know, things change. People change as we get older. So, you may have been in a long relationship with somebody and Something happen, you know, people, like things happen, right? It's it's different for everybody, both and I think. And Crystal, you can let me know where I'm going with this, right? I think those that childhood wounds sometimes, yeah, um, can come into those the domestic violent relationships.
1: You know, the thank you for bringing that up. I, I feel like this is a challenging topic for some people to hear, but let me tell you, if it's uncomfortable is because we need to look at it uh, when we talk about our childhoods and how we repeat those patterns when we grow up. Like I do have clients that after working with me for a while, they start to realize like, hey, uh, they ask me, hey, Crystal, this is very interesting. Like my dad used to hit my mom and he was very abusive. He was an alcoholic, etc. you name it. And my husband used to hit me, abuse me, and was an alcoholic. Like, why did I end up with someone that just resembled my dad? And and there's like a lot of guilt and like, I hated this, but I ended up with the same. And when you start to realize these things, I want you to be very loving and caring with yourself because you cannot uh, do different than what you were thought. If this is what you learned, how can you do different? Yeah. So, um usually if we experience that as a child like a lot of abuse or we witness a lot of domestic violence between our parents, this becomes like something normal for us. Like trauma becomes like the norm for our lives because we haven't seen anything different. So when we start dating a partner that maybe resembles what our dad used to do or what our dad used to be, for us that's something that we know. Even though we don't know that this person is going to be abusive, something inside of us says, hey, this person is familiar. I feel safe here because I know what to expect. Mm. And also like leaving, uh, that's why leaving is also like difficult because you're like, well, I don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what, how it's going to feel. So maybe I'm just going to stay here because I know. Even yeah. though what you know is not healthy and it's very unsafe for you, so yeah. a lot of patience, a lot of love, when you start to see those patterns, like this is not to 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 put more guilt over yourself. It's something yeah. that you will learn, and it's okay you you can still learn, like you will never stop learning. Um, yeah. so
0: yeah. Mm beautifully said yeah like keep yourself open right to learning to learning more and more and more about you right about your patterns your cycles your family your likes dislikes all of those things yeah thank you for saying that right really allowing ourselves to give ourselves grace right and then even understanding that as much as you love this person you can't help them
1: oh yes yes don't take the role of the therapist with your partner like you cannot change your partner and you know it's okay if you leave someone while you love them with all your heart because this is like another thing like why do I still love this person that was hurting me it's okay You can love them with all your heart and at the same time say, you know what? You're not healthy for me. This is not healthy for me. I am leaving because your love for yourself should be bigger.
0: Mm. Mm. It should be. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Oh, man. Crystal, thank you so, so much. Thank you. (laughs) So, 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 so much. So, so much. Yeah, this was this was a beautiful conversation, well needed. Um well, definitely needed. I think we're coming into a time where it's like people want to heal and they just need to like see it, they need to hear it, they need to yeah. to be able to you know, like lick the finger and touch the touch the stove and know that okay, it is cool. I can do this, right? Um, so thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you for just continuing to grow as a person in your own journey and allowing it to really be a gateway and a path for other women to heal and to men to, and to really like rediscover themselves also, right? Because that's hard coming out of a domestic violent, um, life for some people right like it's coming out of the the survival trenches of what that looks like so yes thank you so much for you your heart your mind your body your soul doing this beautiful work doing this beautiful work coming here and talking to all of us about what needs to be talked about the stuff that you know needs to be heard um for people to to really like bring awareness to themselves and their relationships so thank you so much thank you
1: thank you for inviting me and thank you everyone for listening please please reach for help even if you're not ready to leave please just ask questions and see what's going on you don't have to make a decision yet Uh, but thank you so much ashley it's it's been a pleasure to be here with you today
0: Thank you, and we will be right back. All right, let's all take a nice big inhale and exhale. That was a very informative, very powerful um, conversation with Crystal. I'm so grateful for her expertise and her passion for working with um, survivors and victims of sexual abuse and domestic violence um, two spaces along with uh, miscarriage and pregnancy loss that are very near and dear to me because of my own personal experience with all three, right? There goes my trifecta again. Um, So I... I, I'm grateful for her um, her wisdom, her ability to really be able to listen and embody and um, show empathy, a great deal of empathy and compassion for the women um, that she works with in both of those spaces. Um, again, the hotline website that she gave is www.thehotline.org. It is a very good resource if anyone is in need of services um, or just at like after listening to this episode, something is turning in your wheels and there's an awareness, right? I always say like, the things that I share on here is to help other people build awareness of where they are in their journey. Um, something that may have not clicked before that may click now, right? The biggest question is, do you feel safe in your body? Do you even know what safety in your body feels like? Right. Um, yeah, man, we could have talked for hours. We could have talked for hours. Um, I love y'all. I love all of y'all. My prayer is for everyone that is in a situation that is not healthy for them, whether physical abuse has already been invited into that space or not. I pray that God keeps you. I pray that he begins to open up the doors that need to open for you, bringing in the people into your life. That will help you get out, especially if there's children involved. Especially if there's children involved. We're here to break cycles. We're here to break the things that no longer need to be a part of our story, no longer need to be a part of our bloodline story, no longer need to be a part of our DNA. And we don't want to recreate any of that for our children. We don't want to recreate any of that for our children. Um, So I hope and pray that the right people come at the right time and meet you in the right place, that it's all by divine intervention, that God brings you what you need to get out safely and calmly and begin to give you the healing and restoration that you, your soul, your mind, your body everything about you need and for your children if there's children involved and that your partner also awakens to themselves away from you away from you away from you because we can't heal our partners That's not our job we have to take care of ourselves it's okay for us to love them like crystal said it is completely okay for us to love them but we can't help everybody that we love right? Everybody's journey has to come to a point where they they go a different direction than us. And that's okay. It's not selfish for you to choose yourself, especially if what you're choosing yourself from is keeping you stale, is keeping you in pain, is keeping you stagnant, and it's not healthy for you, right? The goal is to live in our divine purpose, and there's no rhyme or reason to why anybody should be abusing anybody both and i i understand and have deep compassion deep empathy for people who for abusers who like the, like understanding their journey and their story because some of this is learned behavior some of it is learned survival some of it is fear we don't know we we don't know what it is right I just want everybody to be safe, be protected and like my prayer is what it is like for God to meet you right where you are, open you up and put you in a divine interventive intervent, innovative space to where the right person comes to you at the right time to give you the right healing and the right release and the right restoration. So pass this episode on to anybody that you know um, that is in need of just something to awaken them. And love shouldn't hurt, right? Eve did not write that song, Love is Blind, for no reason, right, I remember that music video very, very clear. So I love you all, I love you all, I love you all for free, for free, for free, for free. Until next time.